So how likely are you to survive the zombie apocalypse? Like, how far would you get? Well, right. So I'm thinking, like, okay, first of all, it depends on what kind. But if it's this kind, I'm going to say 10 hours, 100% chance I'm dead. Oh, definitely. I mean, I just feel like I would be one of those people who, like, hadn't really heard the apocalypse was going on yet. And, like, a zombie eats you. Just, like, on their way. Oh, see, I think I would be one of the people who had heard. And I'm running in a small circle. Just (laughs) freaking out. And then I get eaten. I mean, either way, neither one of us is going to make it to a starring role. Which, you know what? If this means I don't have to deal with any of this, that's fine. In the pursuit of human perfection, accidents will happen. There's been an incident. How bad is it? We're reopening the hive. I want to know what went on down there. Sir, there's something in here. Now, those left behind... must battle an enemy that will not die. What was that? We're gonna need more ammo. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, a bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Resident Evil Apocalypse, the second one. And not the best one. It's not the best one. Starring, of course, Mila Jojovich, Oded Fair, Sienna Guillory... Oh, Thomas Kretschmann, the German guy. I love him. Jared Harris, Mike Epps. There's a lot of people. Zach Ward. He's such a weirdo. <laughs> Ian Glenn. Joram. Yes. Joram <laughs> kind of a small part in this one. He is. But he always has a large part in our hearts. And this one is written by, but not directed by, Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the drop in quality. Maybe. (laughs) I'm not convinced. I think it's partially that I don't really care about this type of apocalypse movie. This kind of, the apocalypse has just happened and we're roaming the streets and in gangs. I think you can do it well, but this one wasn't, it it needed to either be more action driven or more character driven. And it wasn't either one. Yeah. They, They didn't split it well. And so it was like, oh, people have feelings, but also... There's some action, but also here's a billion characters, so we can't really get that deep into any of them. It really felt like, having seen the whole series, what it feels like is a bridge movie that's just getting us from from the first movie where we meet Alice to the later movies that I think are just better. I agree. Yeah, they... Whatever, I'll take it. it. It gets us to the other movies. Exactly. We open on a close-up of Alice's eye with an iris that looks like the Umbrella logo. My name is Alice. I worked for the Umbrella Corporation, the largest and most powerful commercial entity in the world. I was head of security at a secret high-tech facility called The Hive, a giant underground laboratory developing experimental viral weaponry. But there was an incident. Fires escaped and everybody died. Trouble was, they didn't stay dead. Just in case any of us forgot. Yeah. (laughs) We cut to a weather report with a chipper weather lady telling us what a beautiful day it is in Raccoon City. Another beautiful day in Raccoon City. They sing a little song about it. (laughs) With a little soft shoe. Yeah. (laughs) 
But the camera pans down to below the city in the hive where some umbrella employees of dubious job description. Are these scientists or? Very un... Uh, I mean, they're all in like biohazard like outfits. It's the kind of thing where it's nondescript enough that you feel like the hive just calls them drones. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Well, they, uh, I mean, they're going into the hive, and of course they immediately get attacked by the horde of zombies that they knew full well was in there. Yeah, or why would they be wearing that? Well, also, they already knew that from the last people that went in there. Yeah, that's true. What was the game plan here? Either send in commandos, or just be better prepared for the wave of zombies that's going to come out at you. Yeah, maybe the experiment was, are they still eating people? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I feel like there's better ways to conduct that experiment. Then we cut to a black SUV with official-looking men going around the city collecting important umbrella people to evacuate. One of these people is Dr. Ashford, who's in a wheelchair, and worried about his daughter, who's at school. We see the men in suits collecting her at her school, but her SUV gets in an accident, and we just see her twitching in the seat. Yeah. Thirteen hours later, Jill Valentine. Don't worry, she's dressed exactly like her name sounds. Well, she was the first, in the first video game, she was the female player character. There was a male and a female. She was the female one. So, and she's shown up in some later ones too. This outfit is from the third Resident Evil game. And it got a lot of comments on why she was wearing it. Weird choice. Uh, Yeah, it was terrible because, first of all, Jill Valentine, I mean, it's okay, I get it, Valentine is a last name, but it doesn't not sound like a stripper's name, and then when she's wearing this, you're like, oh, but is she actually a dancer? Yeah, so she's wearing a sleeveless top. Yeah. I mean, it's, it would be like a tube top, except that it actually goes all the way down to her skirt. Yeah, I would call it a strapless. Yeah, and then a short skirt. Yeah. And, yeah, she's and dressed in clothes that, yeah, she's dr- dressed in clothes that I wouldn't go grocery shopping in, much less zombie fighting. Yeah, maybe clubbing, but, like, I don't, I don't really but only go if that you're kind not, of club. Right, but only if you're, like, not going to move around a lot. Like, these aren't clothes that stay on you really easily. Disagree based on this movie. Well, true. I assume it was mostly uh, tape that was holding it up. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of dress tape involved. Yes. So, she's a disgraced, okay. I don't know if cops are interchangeable with stars agents because they stars, like they are in yeah, stars and cops seem to refer to the same group of people. So she's a disgraced cop, stars agent, or both. She's watching the news coverage of the massive zombie outbreak. She goes to her old precinct and kills a ton of zombies in a first-person shooter style, just in case we didn't know this was based on a video game. She tells one of the cops, outraged by the civilian deaths that he's just witnessed, to shoot for the head and then frees one of the suspects there and says she's leaving town. Mike Epps, don't worry. If you were scared there was not going to be a funny black guy in this movie, don't worry. Yeah. So this was like, if you think about it logically, like what was the what was her game plan here? 
Because she doesn't actually go for anyone in specific. She just kind of strolls through, kills a bunch of people, says, hey, I'm leaving town and you probably should too, and then leaves. And I'm like, just leave. Well, it's kind of like a final middle finger to the station. Like, oh, I'm a disgraced cop, am I? I know how to deal with this better than you. See you jerks later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So weird choices. It is weird. Don't worry, it won't be the last. It's also weird that she would think that she could get out of town when things are this bad. Just because even without some kind of blockade everything's going to be jammed. Yeah, that's why you drop everything and head to the exits. You don't do detours. I always think of the stand when it was like, you couldn't drive a car down the road. Yeah. After everything. It was too, everything was, cars everywhere. Yeah, you always had to stop whenever there was any sort of, like, tunnel or bridge or something. Yeah. Then we go to Alice, who's right where we left her in the last movie. So she wakes up on a table in the worst hospital gown of all time, pulls out all the tubes, and wanders into the deserted streets. It's sort of like some of those those dentist bibs just, like, taped on. Yeah. More than a gown. And wanders into the deserted streets, which don't line up with the chaos we were just seeing with Jill Valentine. But no. this part of the city is apparently deserted. Yeah. Umbrella has checkpoints at the exits of the city, though, because apparently they control everything without being the actual government. They're called the Umbrella Corps. Of course they control everything. They call in reinforcements who arrive by helicopter and save a civilian woman on a rooftop, even though it's not part of their orders, and she's 100% already been bitten. This is ridiculous. Well, they don't save her. No, they don't. And they should have known she, there was like a horde of 20 zombies after her. They should have known that she had already been bitten at some point. But don't worry, St. Carlos is going to help that woman. Also, Carlos is the definition of a loose cannon. They're going in. He's clearly very highly trained because he's part of a helicopter team. And he's like, no, I don't care what orders are. We're saving that woman. But I'm like, you work for, there's no way that a guy with your like moral fiber that's going to save every innocent woman he comes across is working for Umbrella. Seriously. So like, what's your deal, buddy? Yeah. Are you trying to atone for some woman's death you just caused? Like, we never get in his backstory, but, like, it doesn't make sense that he would be a mercenary for Umbrella. Yeah, that would make more sense if he had something like that. Yeah. So, Carlos offers to help her, but she knows what happens once he's been bitten, and so she jumps off the roof. Which, wouldn't that just speed up the process? Nah, she, I don't think there's she's a, thinking too clearly. Okay, that's fair. But there's a good chance she'll just come back even faster. Maybe she's hoping if her entire body is super broken up, she won't be a very good zombie. I mean, maybe she's fair enough. aiming for head first. I don't know. Yeah. Jill Valentine shows up at the checkpoint just in time for one of the mob of people outside of it to turn into a zombie and start attacking the others. Jill kills it. But Umbrella orders the gates to be sealed. Thomas Kretschmann, that is. How were they letting people out in the first place? That does seem weird, considering they have zero value for human life. Yes. Why would they care at all? And there's a zombie outbreak happening that you caused, and apparently we see later in the movie there's an elaborate cover-up that's been planned. So yeah. what's the point of letting people out who are going to say, no, that's not what was happening? Yeah, yeah that it, that's a really good point. Uh, maybe it's just so that we can, this is the beginning of us seeing that Thomas Kretschmann is in fact evil. Um, yes. Major Kane. He is super, he's so evil. He's named after the murderous brother from the Bible. Right. Also his whole like, sorry, you can't leave. Also get back. We're going to start shooting. 
It just sounds worse than a German accent. It does. <laughs> Maybe that's why he has the other guy tell them that. Like, shout it from the... I mean, what I'm really impressed by is the fact that somehow, like, okay, again, massive mob of people all clamoring to get out and talking at the top of their lungs, but he gets their attention by firing a handgun once in the air. And there's, like, (laughs) dead silence. Everyone's like, a gun was fired. And I'm like, how did you even hear it? Seriously. So, yeah, they order everyone away from the gates, and then they start firing on the crowd. Major Kane meets Dr. Ashford at the helipad. The guy in the wheelchair. Who but, has the worst, tiniest glasses I've ever seen. But also, like, the worst hair and kind of, like, the... It's one of those things where I looked at the guy they cast and I was like, yeah, no, I do believe you're a scientist. I know, but also Jared Harris. People may remember him as a character from Mad Men. I don't know which one. I didn't watch the show. But I was like, how does he look the same age? <laughs> which isn't young, by the way. This isn't a Paul Rudd situation where he still looks the same age as he did... 30 years ago like he has always looked old just different yeah just like (laughs) middle-aged yeah he just looks like a steady guy who should be living in a suburban neighborhood and working a nerdy job that's just how he looks so he refuses to leave without his daughter he goes into some sort of computer tent I don't understand where he is. It's clearly a tent of some sort but there's a lot of computer equipment set up but there's no one else in there And he hacks into the Umbrella Network and traces his daughter to her school, which is surrounded by zombies. Mm -hmm. He seems to be going rogue, which is weird that he's able to do that. It's also weird that he's already been, like, not allowed in Umbrellas. Okay, we're going to talk about Dr. Ashford later, but, like, I have a lot of questions about his relationship with Umbrella. So then he looks for someone in the city, like using the CCTV footage, who might be able to get her. Don't worry, he takes a lot of time to do so. (laughs) So of course, we cut back to Alice, who's wandering the streets, looting stores for weapons, and getting flashbacks of the experiments performed on her, which are currently making her skin undulate, much like the guy that turned into a liquor in the last film. Mm. Does everyone remember liquors? Because I they will come up again do in this movie. The gross things with no skull on their brain. Yeah, they were the boss zombie in the yeah, last movie. The long, gross tongues. Back to Jill Valentine, though, because again, we've got a lot of characters we have to keep track of here. Mm-hmm. She's with Sergeant Wells, her former partner when she was a cop, who was also bitten by the zombie at the gates. Yes. And also, there's a lady reporter with them. She just kind of shows up. There's no introduction to her. I'm just telling you right now, she's a lady reporter. We won't find that out till later. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real video game thing to have happen. Yeah, she just is also there with them. Yeah. No one's like, where did you come from? They break into an empty church for shelter, only to find it's not quite empty. There's some uppity guy who wants them to leave because he's already hiding there. Wouldn't you think, like, this is great, this is more, more people will help me? And these people are armed, right? And know how to use guns, because they're cops. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't see it the same way, though. <laughs> they bully him into letting them stay, and then they hear an ominous creaking from the sanctuary. Jill investigates, still wearing, don't worry, the world's most inappropriate disaster clothes. Uh, I believe in this situation, the more skin you have showing, the higher the chance of survival is. Uh, yeah, well, it seems to work for her, so. Yeah. The least chance you will get bitten. Yeah, don't worry, she wears these clothes through the whole thing. They never accidentally fall off or get torn in any way. (laughs) 
She finds a woman in a chair. She, like, you know, goes into a room and the woman's back is to her. So she just sees this woman sitting in a chair and she offers to help her. But then a priest shows up out of nowhere and tries to make her leave. It turns out the woman is a zombie and the priest has been feeding her people because she's his sister. Yeah. I have so many issues with this. I mean, not the concept, but I'm like, I don't think that this is something someone would do for their sister. Like, this is something no. you would do for your child, maybe, if yeah. you're crazy and you don't really understand, like, yeah, how the way zombies work. But, like, you might do maybe. it for your child. You probably wouldn't do it for your sister. No, and, like, maybe even a spouse. Yeah. But not for your sister. And here's the thing. It doesn't seem like this has been happening long enough for that him to have already started doing this. Well, I know. It's like you are on on top of it. You just yeah. tied up your sister and you just like found somebody to start feeding her. Yeah. Well, and can I point out that you don't have to feed zombies? No. They don't die. That's the whole thing about zombies. So it's also weird that he thought, man, she's probably going to need someone to eat. Right? Well, she just seems so hungry. <laughs> also, wouldn't you think this might make it worse? Yeah. It's so I, a lot of questions about the priest that never get gone into, but I just need to have like an entire history for his mental health and <laughs> just previous decision making because yeah. there's something weird going on with this guy. The woman, though, that's the zombie woman, chooses that moment to break free, of course, and eats the priest before Jill kills her. Yep. Irony. <laughs> Paging Alanis Morissette. I know. The people waiting for her in the church get freaked out by, I guess, the noises, or I don't know, and try to leave, only to discover that it's zombie central outside the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've all shown up suddenly out of nowhere. Turns out it's not their only problem, though, because there's also some crazy jumping zombies on the wall. They're liquors. Oh, no. Somehow they're very formidable, even though their brains are on the outside. <laughs> Probably because they're, like, jumping up all over the walls and, like, running on the walls. I guess so. It just seems like it would be so easy to... To kill them. It's not. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm not saying it is. Yeah, it takes a lot, apparently. (laughs) The guy who was originally in the church decides his best plan of action is to run away from where the cop with the gun (laughs) is and is almost immediately eaten by a liquor zombie. Right. Jill finds his body and then rejoins the others to fight off the three liquors in the church. But before they can kill them all, they run out of ammo. What will they do? Don't worry. Alice is on her way. She drives a motorcycle <laughs> through the rose window at the back of the church. Oh, my goodness. Impossible. I mean, like... For you, maybe. How <laughs> dare you speak that way about Alice? I refuse to believe that anyone, regardless of their superhuman strength, could drive a motorcycle through a rose window. Those things are so solid. They have such thick glass and have so many bits of iron holding them all together. Well, it is true that it seems like the motorcycle would also have had to have been experimented upon. Yes. I think the problem isn't her, it's the motorcycle. Yeah. I doubt the motorcycle. <laughs> But then she kills all the zombies in the most awesome way possible. Oh my goodness, she sure does. Yeah, I can't even describe it. It's just like you're just watching it and you're like, I don't know what's happening, but I know it's awesome and I love it. Yeah, she jumps off the motorcycle, but it's still going, flies in, hits one of them, 
And as she jumps off and does a backflip, she fires at them and so lights it on fire when the motorcycle explodes. This is just the beginning. I can't remember the rest of it. It's very good, though. Yes. It's the reason why people watch Resident Evil movies. Exactly. We cut to the suspect from the police station that Jill freed. Remember him? Yeah, he's a real character in this thing. We just saw, you know what? He tested so well with audiences. People saw him and was like... I need that kind of irreverence and wit in this movie. Yeah, well, don't worry. You won't get a lot of it. Also, don't worry. He's in future movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is just a taste of what's to come. I mean, I'll take it if I if that's what needs to happen for me to get more Oded Fair in other movies also. So he's just cruising around, running over zombies, when he's so surprised by some zombie hookers, some topless zombie hookers, so probably actually zombie strippers that have just wandered out onto a street corner. Probably. That he crashes his car right by where St. Carlos and his team are clearing the streets of zombies. Two of which are for some reason Russian. That was so unnecessary. Oh, I know. I guess just to remind us, they're mercenaries. So men of every stripe? I guess so. One of their team is bitten, and they have to fall back, but Dr. Ashford is watching from CCTV cameras, just so we know. He's got a handle on it. Yeah, he's keeping an eye on everyone. Back with Alice and the gang, Alice tells the reporter everything she wants to know about what's going on, including her backstory from the last movie. (laughs) We can never hear it too many times. I, I sure can't. She suddenly figures out that Sergeant Wells is infected, something she should have already known. Based on what we see later in the movie, she definitely should have already known that for other reasons. Yeah. But Jill stops her from killing him, saying she'll take care of him when the time comes. Alice asks some very good questions about like, yeah, but you know that like it is going to come and he's like going to kill people and it's going to be so much harder once he's a zombie, right? And Jill's like, don't worry about it. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, not my problem. Yeah. I'm not going to get killed by him. Yeah, I'll just kill him later, I guess, if it comes to that. They stumble on legit rising from the ground graveyard zombies. Well, they seem to bury him about a foot deep in Raccoon City, so it's not surprising. Well, also, I'm like, how did this happen? Can the T-virus infect already dead and decomposing bodies? Do you know I feel like that's never once brought up again? Yeah. But it does seem like it's now anything that's dead gets infected by this thing. Right. It doesn't make any sense. That's They explained poorly, by the way, (laughs) but they did explain how the T-virus works, and it doesn't make sense that it would reanimate something that had been dead for years and years. Yeah. If your muscles are gone, how is that gonna work? I know. But don't worry, Alice and Jill kung fu them to death before realizing they might be overrun and running away. Major Kane, the German guy, seeing the chaos in the city from the CCTV feeds, activates Project Nemesis... In the Umbrella Labs that Alice woke up from earlier, we see a hideous monster strapped to a table. Wake up. (gasps) Gasp. Carlos and his dwindling team call for an evacuation, but they get no response from Umbrella. They see a helicopter drop some cases in a hospital, but discover it's only weapons which they don't need. Then their bitten team member turns into a zombie and bites Carlos before they leave. Later on, they finally come to the realization that Umbrella has abandoned them. So yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like they should have realized this like now know, right? and not later on. They're like, oh, I guess, I guess they don't care. Yeah. We're expendable assets. So weird that a company that caused all of this doesn't care. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, the escaped suspect who crashed his car after seeing zombie hook- hookers. Remember him? <laughs> How? He's never far from my thoughts. <laughs> Well, I guess he was actually nowhere near Carlos and the gang because he instead winds up being taken in by a gang of star agents who are holed up in a building. Yes. So I don't know where he crashed and why it seemed like he was right next to... It seemed like he was near near someone, and I guess it seemed that way because you're like, why do you keep showing him? Yep. Like, the way that the cuts happen, you're like, oh, he's nearby. That's why we're seeing this. Yeah. Because guess what? Nothing else makes sense. But yeah, so these star agents or possibly cops. The thing is, like, star is who Jill Valentine and, I don't know, Chris something, the guy. In the first Resident Evil movie, the team that went in, they were star agents. So Mm -hmm. that's why they keep referring to that. But they also just seem to be using them as cops. So, yeah, whatever they are. They're just, like, like using sniper rifles to pick off zombies and just having a grand old time. Yeah. But then Nemesis wanders by and Major Kane from many, many protected miles away, of course, <laughs> sees this as a chance to test how good he is. He says, oh, it's the perfect opportunity because I guess because no human rights organizations will ever find out about it. Well, and like he hasn't had opportunity. I mean, the, the street is flooded with zombies. You can't order him to kill them? I don't know. This is apparently his only chance. So he orders him to kill the STARS agents, which, of course, he handily does, mostly because he's seriously outgunned. Okay, like, right. He Okay, he has the biggest guns in the world. Yeah. I feel like if you gave the STARS people those guns and not him... Oh, also, he's not really affected by bullets, and he has armor on. Yeah. Like, this is not... This is a stacked deck. This isn't, like, a military situation, either. No, it's not proving anything. No. Well, one thing it does prove, actually, is that he, because he leaves our, you know, friendly, wandering, petty criminal alive, what it means is he can actually, yes, he can actually make distinctions between people and follow orders, like, to a T. Yeah. So that's the one thing, I guess, it might prove. So I don't know. Yeah, that's true. He he's a really good um biddable asset. Yeah. Anyway, that guy runs away, of course, cuz he does it every available opportunity. That's and what hey, I, he's still alive. Well, it's if Results if I lasted, that would be the only reason why just <laughs> yeah. be from running away a lot. Back with Alice, Jill compliments her awesome fighting skills. And Alice says, "Even I'm not that good." I know. Man, you think a lot of yourself. Have you seen her? Well, she doesn't look like she would actually be very good at fighting, so... No, but at the same time, she does look like a video game character come to life. I don't know how they found somebody (laughs) that that perfectly looked like a video game character. She does. You're right about that. (laughs) But Alice says she should be glad she's not that good because they did something to her in the lab to make her that way. And she barely feels human anymore. Yes. As all our best heroes do. Yeah. As they walk by a row of phones, I mean, there's a lot of self or a lot of pay phones in Raccoon City. Thankfully. A lot. And they're apparently like every 10 feet. Yeah. They start ringing like as they go by them. So Alice finally picks it up and talks to Dr. Ashford, who's on the other end. They make a deal. If Alice rescues Dr. Ashford's daughter, he'll get them out of the city. 
Alice accepts, of course, even though Wells seems to think it would be a better idea to hole up and wait for help because he's an idiot who's never seen Apocalypse movies. He's such a dum-dum. Alice tells him there won't be any help. Of course. (laughs) Umbrella can't contain the outbreak, so they're going to nuke the city at sunrise. See, that wouldn't have been my thought, but I would have at least known that there wasn't going to be any help. Right. But now we know they have to get out of the city by sunrise because that's when the nuke's going to come. They're walking around still bickering when Alice senses something in the distance. That's when Nemesis walks out and starts shooting at Jill and Wells since they're also S.T.A.R.S. members. Mm-hmm. Which just goes to show that S.T.A.R.S. doesn't keep up their databases very well. Because Jill is fired, so she's not actually right? a S.T.A.R.S. agent. Not just fired, disgraced, according to the news clippings we saw at the beginning. Yeah, and somebody was totally going to enter that into the records any day now, so... <laughs> yeah. Alice recognizes it and distracts it while everyone else gets away. But after a while, it disengages and leaves. Kind of like almost on its own. I mean, we saw an order pop up that said disengage, but I couldn't tell if he decided that or like he was ordered to disengage. That wasn't really clear. Uh, Yeah, I feel like he was ordered because we... We only once see him actually make a choice, I think. But because he made that choice, I was wondering if he chose to disengage on his own. Mm, That's possible. Because she also wasn't a STARS agent, so it wouldn't have necessarily been going against orders. That's true. Didn't he super-duper shoot up Wells, though? Yeah, so... He did kill Wells, and the funny thing is that means, like, the agonizing decision later on or, like, having him turn into a zombie or whatever, like, that was already taken out of their hands. (laughs) I know. Because he's killed. I mean, he does turn into a zombie because we cut to Jill and the reporter, and Jill's hot-wiring a car and, of course, mourning the death of Wells. And then they're attacked by zombie Wells, so Jill is forced to kill him. So, you know, I guess that's the agony that we get. But we didn't really care in the first place because I don't particularly like Jill. Well, no, I don't think anyone does. Um, and I didn't care about Wells. So just hearing you describe it that way is actually pretty funny. <laughs> she's like really sad that Wells died. Yeah, she's like, like, oh no, he died. <laughs> Wells is not wearing a car. And then he comes to the car window and is like, Rawr. and she's like, oh no, I have to shoot him in the head. But I mean, that's basically exactly what happened. I know. I'm not, I'm not like speeding it up for time. This is all in no. like a minute and a half scene. No, and I think that's why it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So as Jill and the reporter are driving around going, I don't know where, I guess they're headed to the school where his daughter is. That's what Uh, they're doing. Yes. Because you would definitely do it once you lost your best fighting asset. That's when I would do it. (laughs) Yeah. And her backup. I mean, I know Jill's supposed to be like a good Um, fighter, but I'm like, you lost your ex-partner and you lost this other lady who was better at everyone else than fighting. But it's fine. Definitely go get her on your own. Well, I think they don't have another plan. Uh, Good point. So they almost run over our friendly petty criminal, whose name we find out is LJ, because it's the 90s. (laughs) They let him in the car just to come along with everyone else, because why not? And then they go to the school where they foolishly decide to split up to search the place. Oh my goodness. This was Jill's idea, and everyone just immediately agrees. How would you ever think that this was a good idea? I mean, this goes beyond the realm of stupidity in horror movies. coming from her. Yeah. Who's supposed to know tactical things. Right. I'm like, what? It will take you 10 more minutes to search the school? What does it matter? There's 100% going to be zombies in it, and two of those people have no fighting skills. Exactly. Oh, oh my really gosh. Hurts one of them. <laughs> no kidding. 
So LJ searches the chem lab where there's, you can hear, I mean, you know, it's the chem lab kind of because of the way it looks, but also because you can hear something bubbling, like somebody left a Bunsen burner. Oh my burner. goodness. <laughs> and in a school, there's lots of like real chemical reactions they're doing. Well, especially it's an elementary school. I know, right? So there's tons of Erlenmeyer flasks just bubbling away. Right. And I don't care if it is a zombie apocalypse. There's no way that if you were abandoning a chemistry class, unless a zombie was literally at your door attacking you, you would turn off the equipment. Yeah, like pretty early on. It doesn't take a lot of effort. And yeah, most chemistry lessons don't actually include experiments with actual chemicals. No, and if they do, they are closely supervised. Yeah, but I just love it's like it's a chem lab. So even though we don't see anything, we definitely have to hear something. People aren't going to know if we don't do it. Yeah. He's almost killed by a zombie, of course. But Carlos kills it over his shoulder and then asks if he's also there for the girl. And when LJ says yes, St. Carlos says, didn't say he made a deal with someone else. I guess we're partners. <laughs> there is no way LJ's pulling his weight in this deal. Like, <laughs> no. You're LJ just like, okay, just... some more baggage for me to carry around, but it's fine because I'm that good of a guy. Yeah, LJ just lucked out, which does make me think of Kim Lab. <laughs> You always you always want to partner up with the really smart kid who's going to do the the equations correctly. Yeah. If you're me and are positive, you're not going to be able <laughs> to do them correctly. No kidding. So the reporter finds a girl that she thinks is Angela in one of the rooms, but actually it's a zombie child. And then she's eaten by a horde of zombie children. <laughs> they're so quiet somehow. She I, just they turns are sneaky. Her, she turns around and they're all just standing there. Look, there's like 20 of them. Yeah. They're, they're very sneaky. Anyway, so she's dead. We never see her again, but it's fine because really the only important thing is that she gave us, I guess, a sense of needing to expose this conspiracy and also a camera. Right. That, that was really all she was here for. Exactly. Because she did manage to record herself being eaten by children. Yeah, which was skillful. And then, you know what? That means somebody retrieved the camera. That is a part I just realized. I never thought of that. Yeah, but, somebody yes. went and found it. Okay. I mean, I would say, like, horde of zombie children. No, you can keep the camera. Well, but. And, and apparently someone who wasn't trying to cover this up because they gave it to the news later. Well, no, it's these people. Right. Because okay. they use the camera oh, later. They, yeah. use, they use it later. Okay, never So mind. that means one of them, I guess they went looking for her. And, yeah. But I would be like, surely the children were still in the room. Right? Where else did they go? <laughs> Whatever. I guess the camera was worth it. Anyway. Jill's the one that actually finds Angela, who's weirdly calm about the whole situation. This she is like, is just it's like Thursday yeah. for her. Yeah. She's cool with it. As they're leaving, they come across some zombie dogs who are gunned down by Nikolai, one of Carlos's men. Meat dogs! Yes, I know. They look exactly like... It's that thing where you can tell this was, this was a video game monster because they look exactly like the other ones. Yeah. In this case, they're supposed to be canine police dogs. Oh, okay. Right, because those are always Dobermans. Well, they are in Raccoon City. Okay. Yeah, so Nikolai introduces himself to, you know, Jill and Angela, and is then attacked by a zombie dog, one of the ones that's still there, leading him to say one of my favorite lines in the movie. Save the girl! I've got this His delivery on that was nuts. He's an, he's an insane person. Yeah. Zach Ward is a crazy actor, and he's almost exclusively in terrible movies. Yeah, but I just feel like I could make that line my ringtone. I never get tired of hearing it. <laughs> right? Anyway, he doesn't have that 
much. Yeah. Especially when another dog joins it. Jill and Angela escape into the kitchen where there's more zombie dogs. So Jill turns on the gas from the ovens and then flicks a lit match into it. But it somehow fizzles out before it ignites the gas. That's funny. Don't worry, though. Alice miraculously shows up just in time to throw a lit cigarette into the room, killing the zombie dogs. Alice is not a smoker. No, but she knows a lit cigarette being tossed into uh, an explosion, way cooler than a lit match. I mean, again, though, it's just like, did she go find cigarettes just so she could always have them on her? And Like, why did she happen to be smoking one? Like, was she in on Jill's plan? Was she just, like, watching from the sidelines, not saying anything while she, like, <laughs> lit this cigarette and was like, she's gonna need this? I, I mean, so. it was a cool moment, but, like, it doesn't make any sense if Alice isn't a smoker to begin with. Well... She was in a school, so she probably just found some of some of those from the eight-year-olds. Yeah, the smoke in the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> all bad kids smoke in the bathroom. It doesn't matter if they're in kindergarten <laughs> or seniors in high school. I guess not. So the explosion kills the zombie dogs, and then Alice recognizes that Angela is infected. Something that Angela also recognizes in Alice because she's infected too. Yeah, everyone's except, infected. Except the way that they're infected, they have these like magic powers that they can. I guess I guess you wouldn't be able to tell if the zombies could tell. Oh, that's a good point. Although theoretically, they don't try and eat the other zombies, and maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe. So this is why it doesn't make sense that she didn't know that Sergeant Wells was infected. Yeah, exactly. Does that make any sense? Because you can't say it was too high pressure of a situation and then she noticed because this is a high pressure situation. Yeah. The other thing that, see, so Alice seems to be infected in a way that is magic. Like, she doesn't need anything to stop the infection from spreading. She just is infected and somehow it's melded with her body in a way that she just gets superpowers. But Angela Mm -hmm. seems to need injections with the antivirus. Yes. Which seemed to be a continual and ongoing thing, which is bad news, I feel like, because there's not a great unending supply of this antivirus. Well, especially not now. I know. And not before either. You know, it's funny. Before, in the last movie, we were like, well, if we just get the antivirus, you'll be fine. It's like, no, that's a lifelong treatment. You'll be needing those injections forever. Apparently. Because she's carrying some around with her in her backpack, and there's no reason she would need that since she's already infected. This is clearly Mm -hmm. why the zombies were leaving her alone when she'd holed up in the room. But then also, she wouldn't need it even if a zombie bit her because she's already infected. So the only reason she would have that is if she continually needed it. And actually, they pull up her sleeve and you can see all the injection sites. Although, spoiler alert, Carlos never needs any. (sighs) My gosh. One and done for him, baby. Yeah. So, shockingly, there's some inconsistency in this. So Alice figures out that Angela was infected deliberately... So Angela tells them about her father, who invented the T-virus to cure her of the genetic condition that put him in a wheelchair. Because, oh my gosh, I just need to say, there's no reason for you to create a zombie virus to prevent your daughter from being in a wheelchair. Dr. Ashford is completely fine, other than not being able to walk. Oh, I know. It's not like he has Huntington's. I mean, this is manageable. Yeah. 
Why don't you invent some crazy, like, robot legs or something? I really feel like it would have been better if it, she had somehow had a genetic condition that was worse than what he had instead of saying, yeah, like, just, my father. I'm like, uh, your father, who's, like, a super intelligent human being who seems to be completely normal other than the fact that he can't walk, that yeah. father? No one has ever said that he has a degenerative thing that is getting worse. And apparently he's able to take care of his daughter on his own. We never see a wife. There's never any mention of a mother. Oh, I know. It's so funny. When they come to collect him... Uh, at the beginning of the movie, he's like, wait, I need to get my daughter. And then he makes to go back inside like she's just upstairs. And they're like, we've got it. And he's like, but she's at school. And I'm like, then where were you going? I know. Get a a hop in the car or something? Yep. But then the Umbrella Corporation, I guess, heard about the T-virus and stole it from him to use it for evil. This is is the explanation we get for how the T-virus came around. Yeah. And she's saying this to defend her father from all wrongdoing, and I guess we're supposed to feel that her father is somehow vindicated, but, like, my problem is, if you invent something and it can be used for evil, then you're still responsible for that, because you invented something that has evil purpose, like, I mean, you you have, when you invent something, you have to know that you're not going to be the only person that ever uses it. Therefore, if you invent something that can be used for gross, horrible evil, on some level, you're responsible for that technology existing. Like... You you may not be promoting its use or advocating its use, but you still put that into the world. That's why Mr. Nobel, inventor of dynamite, felt so bad for the rest of his life and tried to make amends for creating this thing that was used to hurt a lot of people. Right. And, of course, he invented it for a better purpose than that. And so yeah. you can say, like, well, he wasn't intending it, but you also have to think about the negatives before you do it, especially something right. that winds up creating the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So... He does seem to be an employee of Umbrella because they take him, they evacuate him. When stuff is going bad, he's one of the important employees. that They're like, oh, we need to get you out of here, which means he was working for Umbrella when he invented the T-virus, and yet somehow he was unable to stop any sort of this perversion of it, and he's still working for Umbrella even after he saw what they did with his T-virus? That's what's so strange. You... But he's also blocked... From being able to use the computers. He tries to log in and he's blocked. So what's the deal? That's what's so strange. They act like, well, this is the most important guy because this virus is the most important thing. And he created it. And so we need him to the point that they went and got his daughter as a priority. But then they act like... He's shut, I mean, he's shut out of all decisions, all information, and they're just kind of shoving him aside. And then later they don't act like he's important. So I don't understand. They act like they don't need him anymore. I think it would make more sense if they were like, hey, we're evacuating you, even though you don't work for our company anymore. We're evacuating you because we need your expertise in dealing with this virus. Yeah. But he wasn't actually an employee who had worked there, you know, for a long time or he, it would just make more sense if they were forcing him to leave because they knew they needed him. Yeah. Because what's weird. And I get, I, I get that this was so that you wouldn't think that he was evil, but it's kind of weird that he created this thing and a lot of it's at least good uses, but he's not the one doing current research on it. Yeah. But he also hasn't left the company in protest over what they're doing with it. Yeah. But he doesn't seem to be surprised by the zombieism. Yeah. So I'm like, don't try and defend your father, little girl. I mean, I get it, but... 
I lo- There's something weird going on. I, I love that you're like, this young child should call her father out for his complicitness in this. I mean, you can try and defend him, but like, we all know the truth, okay. so. Don't even wait till, don't even let her wait till she's grown up for that, confronting that reality. Admit it now in the middle of this dangerous <laughs> apocalypse. I think it's because it's really obvious that this is the movie trying to defend it to us. It's not but. this girl trying to defend her father, which would be understandable. It's the movie trying to defend him to us, and now, we don't care. hang on. This was or was not a documentary? Uh, that's currently under debate. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, then Carlos and LJ pop in. Just mm-hmm. so that our gang is complete. Mm-hmm. Carlos is very upset to see his last team member has been killed. Alice asks when he was bitten, Carlos, and then tells him it's his lucky day because they have an antidote from Angela's backpack. Who doesn't say, hey, I need that. They contact Dr. Ashford, who tells them where to go. But then Major Kane comes into Dr. Ashford's computer tent or whatever. Surprise, to- it wasn't a big secret. Everyone knew you were there and doing yeah. this stuff. To say that he knew what Dr. Ashford was doing. Of yeah. course he did. As the gang drives to the hell of had, Alice catches Carlos and LJ up on the story so far and then tapes her story, which is the beginning voiceover we saw, you know, at the beginning of the movie. Right. At the helipad, Carlos kung fu's some guards, but just as a sniper is about to take him out, Alice takes him out instead and then single-handedly takes out all the other guards. Because <laughs> she's awesome. She is. As they get on the helicopter... Alice flashes on some more memories and realizes it's Nemesis's helicopter. <gasps> I know. Doesn't really matter, though, because somehow, even with all of the guards being taken out, and there were a lot, it was still all a trap by Major Kane, who pops up and then takes everyone captive. I, I didn't understand how this unfolded. <laughs> I know. How did he... Like, it was like he already had arrested everyone in, like, the five seconds Alice's back was turned. He just, like, quietly arrested them. And then, like, she turns around and she's like, oh, there's nothing I can do with my superhuman strength and awesome reflexes. Well, right. And it's almost like he was watching it, watching his guards be killed. Like, yes, perfectly, (laughs) according to plan. I know. So a bit weird. He says that she and Nemesis were both projects, and now he wants them to duke it out to see, I guess, who's better. Yeah, because this is the real project Nemesis. Yeah, although I would argue that Alice has had a tougher night than Nemesis, so, like, this isn't really, like, a fair test of their skills. Also, it's a weird test anyway. Why do you need to know if Alice can beat an insanely engineered monster? We always need to know who can beat the other person in a fight. This is the conversation of most bar nights. Gosh. Well, I don't know what bars you're going to. <laughs> but it's a weird it's a weird thing to try to justify a boss fight in a movie. They're trying to make it seem like it's not weird that they're like, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> I know it is weird because he seems to think that somehow Alice's engineered skills are just as great as Nemesis's, but I'm like, unless she's bulletproof, I don't see how that can possibly be true. Like, it, right, it's just an undeniable like fact. tall and he's a mountain. <laughs> right. But he's just got, like, a lot more armor than she does. Yeah. So, a bit weird. And plus, we've already seen them kind of go at it earlier, and he was winning by a lot. Right, and if we're going by weight class, she's, what, like, 130 pounds? Yeah, she's bantamweight like to his heavyweight. 500 weight. pounds? Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, to prove he's serious, he kills Dr. Ashford. I don't understand how this was oh, really was proving so any, anything, weird. but he, he just does it. It was like, you have to fight this person or I'll kill all your friends. And she was like, I still won't do it. And then he turns around and shoots Dr. Ashford in the head just to prove he's serious. You didn't want to waste one of the other people who doesn't matter. He's like, this is really going to prove it because I cared. He was important to us. And I was like, dude, you just <laughs> shot yourself in the foot. I know. I was like, she doesn't care who's important to you. Yeah. That was never the issue. She didn't care about hurting your feelings. I know. Anyway. So, it works, though. So, Alice and Nemesis fight, but just as, and it's, you know, long and involved, and there's much back and forth, and I, by this point, I wasn't paying close attention to the fight choreography. It wasn't as awesome as some of the earlier fights. No. It was more just, like, two people duking it out. But just as she's about to kill him, she realizes that it's Matt. Well, she's known that, I feel like. But this is where she... Well, I don't think she did really know it. I think this is the point where she realizes it. Because she, like, freaks out and she stops fighting. I thought she just, when it came down to the wire, she was like, oh, I can't do this. This is Matt. She starts having flashbacks to him as a human. No, I think... I don't think she realized it until now. Okay. Again, Matt is the guy from the last movie that she kind of had, like, a bit of a flirtation with. A, so, a bland early two. Even for the early 2000s, he was kind of bland looking. I know. Yeah. But and the only reason I remember male. what he looks like is because he was an ugly buddy. He was like funny. a main character in Ugly Buddy. So. Gotcha. She refuses to kill him in spite of Major Kane's urgings. He says that Nemesis is all right, I guess, but she's the real prize since she managed to bond with the T virus without becoming a total freak. Kill this idiot, and we'll go far together. Why does she have to kill him? Wouldn't you rather have two assets, even if one is less good than the other? Isn't that strange? Yeah. It's like, some experiments can only be taken so far, and I'm like, he's just killed all these people you requested him to. Yeah, you've proved he's pretty valuable. He could probably kill every zombie in the city if you gave him enough time. That's actually very true. But, nope. It takes Umbrella a very long time to realize that they have a real problem with the zombie <laughs> thing, which is crazy because look how fast it spread. And then they were like, we're probably still fine for multiple movies, y'all. Yeah. They're like, this is still not a problem. <laughs> she still refuses to kill Nemesis, though. So he orders Nemesis to kill her, but he kills the other guards instead. Because guess what? He clearly speaks English. He clearly can understand you because he's following your commands. Maybe he didn't love hearing, kill this jerk and leave him for zombie meat. See, I thought it was kind of implied that he remembered who she was. I think that he did remember, but I think it was also like, it was all of it. Which it was like, oh, she's not going to kill me. Yes, we were these other people, but also I think it was... You know, I hope so, because I refuse to believe that the incredibly short amount of time they knew each other and like the couple of like meaningful glances they exchanged were enough that he would remember who she was after all of the trauma he'd been put through. They make it seem like they were going to get married. <laughs> no, like Based they were on all their flashbacks. They were soulmates. And yeah. this is a magical time in their lives. Pretty yeah. much. So there's a gun battle between everyone and Umbrella. Which leads to Major Kane and Nemesis both dying. Major Kane, of course, was killed by being eaten by zombies. Yeah, nice. Because irony. Also sad, though, I do love Thomas Crutchman. 
I know he's not going to be in the series anymore, even as a zombie. I know. Alice, Angela, Jill, Carlos, and LJ, these are our remaining living gang members. Thank goodness Mike Epps is still there. I know. They escape on the helicopter just before the nuclear bomb hits. They somehow manage to outfly it. (laughs) Although their plane does crash, which is something I like to call realism. I'm sorry, have you not seen aliens? It's very possible to outfly any kind of bomb. Good point. If you just try hard enough. Yeah. The magic was inside you all along. (laughs) Yeah. Later, Umbrella, in the form of Dr. Isaacs. Ian Glenn. Comes to check out the crash site. The only body they find is Alice, which I have a really hard time believing that everyone else was able to walk away from that. Yeah, the non-engineered super weapon people. Yeah, so the reason Alice is supposedly the one that was found is because she was, when she was on the helicopter and it was crashing, she protected Angela and got stabbed through the chest with something. Okay. But I thought for sure that wouldn't kill her because she had this awesome T-virus in her. And also, apparently, everyone else was able to just, just, like, walk away. Yeah. No time at all. So, a bit weird. But anyway, they find Alice, and we cut to news coverage of the shocking footage of the zombie outbreak, followed then by coverage that that was all just a hoax, and the whole thing was actually a nuclear reactor breakdown, and Jill and Carlos are wanted in questioning for the hoax. Which, there's too much evidence. There's all those people that already left the city. Yeah. And the fact that that the city closed down way before the nuclear explosion happened. Like, people would would have been trying to communicate with people in Raccoon City or heard from people in Raccoon City that would have had nothing to do with the nuclear explosion that later happened. Yeah, that is strange. Because you really can't say that the meltdown started that much earlier. Yeah, they don't take that long. Because then that then they could have stopped it. Yeah. So, a bit weird. Well, it seems like a lot of people in this universe are real idiots. So, think the movie's over? I kind of did think it was Not over. yet! We still have to set up that sequel. In the Umbrella Labs, Alice wakes up in, like, a vat and is checked out by Dr. Isaacs. She's, like, back at, like, a child's level of, like, she... She's looking at something, and he's like, that's a pen. She went to hold it, and she's, like, writing like a child. Oh, my gosh. When he asks her her name, though, it spurs a bunch of flashbacks, causing her to regain full awareness and escape the lab, which I love that this is the cure for amnesia. What's your name? And she's like, what's my name? And then she just remembers everything, and it's like, I know who I am, and then just, like, starts attacking people and leaves. But hold up, this is where we find out she has psychic powers. This is bonkers! I don't remember this from the later movies. Was Mm -hmm. this in there? Yeah, it's like a whole thing where she's got these growing psychic powers. Yeah, so she is able to now psychically at least control machines, because the guard who's watching her leave on the cameras starts bleeding out of his nose and ears, and she's, like, looking at the camera. Yeah. So, that's nuts. Yeah. Also, I love the idea that she can, like, see him through the cameras. I'm like, that's not actually how that works. Like, you would have to be able to sense where he was in the building. Well, I don't know if she can. Maybe she just knows that he can see her. Whatever. I just think, I mean, you have to direct your psychic power somewhere. I just think that it's that idea of, like, I can see you because you can see me. It's the movie logic of, like, don't think about it too hard. Yeah. Handily, Jill, Carlos, and LJ appear in a car outside just in time to pick her up. What was this, prearranged? 
She's like walking out the building and they pull up and they're like, we're sector six. We're here to take her away. And I'm like, how did you know this was happening? That is weird. It was very, very planned on their part. Yeah. Maybe she sent them a psychic message. I don't know. No one had questions about how did you psychically contact us? And she like yeah. just regained her sense of self. Yeah, that's true. So I have a lot of questions about that that never get answered. Dr. Isaacs tells security to let them leave and then activates program Alice as she gets into the car, causing her irises to flash with the umbrella logo as they drive away. So yeah, that was the second Resident Evil movie. Yeah. It kind of, in a sense, it felt a little less video gamey than the first one, but it still felt video gamey. Yeah, in a different way, for sure. There weren't like levels of the the pie that you're going through. Yeah. But it felt less directed than the first one where yeah. like it was a video game funneling you through a very specific story. This one didn't feel that way, but there were definitely the, the monsters and stuff. Levels yeah. of fights. And it also oddly didn't really build anything on Alice's character in an interesting way. Cause she mm-hmm. was so busy trying to catch you up on what happened last time. Yeah. And also there were all these new characters to to introduce. I think that's why it's not really a movie that works as well as like the later ones. I think that's true. And they're still setting up the premise. So they're trying to catch, you know, oh, remember when this happened? But also they're like, oh, but now it's out in the open and setting up this whole other world. Right. I also love the idea that Umbrella somehow thinks that releasing a nuclear bomb is going to contain the zombie apocalypse. That's insane. Like, there's no way you will, you'll catch every single person. I mean, I if know. you were letting people out ever... Yeah, because you don't... You have no idea. Yeah, did you give these people, like, a thorough examination beforehand? They, like, there's no way you know. I, I think I saw them screening people, but I don't know how you could know that. No, I don't think you could. Yeah. But it doesn't matter, because Umbrella is both insanely evil, but also not really detail-oriented. No. So. <laughs> they're like, we'll deal with it later. Though. Yeah. It doesn't matter to us. Yeah, and like you said, they're not really, like, they're not really that fussed by the zombie apocalypse. They're they just, like, keep not. furthering their experiments, and I don't even know what the goal is at a certain point. Literally at every turn, they're like, this is great, now we can do this weird experiment. Yeah. You're like, who are you going to sell this stuff to at a certain point? Yeah, you know, there's, like, no governments left, right? Yeah. Doesn't stop them. And even though this movie was, like, insanely poorly reviewed, it did make a lot of money, so it still gets to be, it still gets to have, you know, another movie made after it. Makes sense. People know what they're signing up for. It's not like people walked into this movie and was like, well, I never. Oh, I know, because if you look at the reviews of the movie, people are like, oh, you could see what was coming, and the characters are so flat and boring. And I'm like, how did you think this was going to be anything but that? Like, it's it's only, like, how many people look cool in the movie and how many good fights are there. Like, that's why people watch it. I know. And that's why it made $129 million from a $45 million budget. Wow, good job. No wonder they kept making more. Yep. That's a good call. <laughs> I mean, like, I... I Go see them, you know. Me too. They're just fluff. That's why they started talking about rebooting it before the last one came out. And I would watch the reboot. So I, I will too. <laughs> so next time we're watching Demolition Man starring Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, and of course, Academy Award winner Sandra Bullock. <laughs> so that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.